Hi. I thought it would be good just to do some intro. It was it was okay. It was okay. Alright. Let's focus Go. in. Focus in. Are you focused? Focus. Here we are. No my waro tapu hare maiki kone. Morena. Karen and Elijah here. We facilitate and coordinate communities that apprentice under Jesus together. These neighborhood churches form the extended family known as Unite. We desire to grow as apprentices of Jesus according to the Bible by the power of the Holy Spirit. Devoted to God in Jesus with one another. Showing the world the love of God. We believe that God is three in one and that we belong to Jesus Christ. We desire to be Holy Spirit led, to practice love in community and to grow together with joyful endurance. And to welcome all people, seeing them with the dignity God created them with. Noise. 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 Smore it. Toit. <laughs> In this video, we're going to give some framework to our sharing mm -hmm. and praying on Luke 6, 46 through to Luke 7 to 50, which we've been reading Chapter this 50. week. Chapter 6, 46 to 7 verses 50. Isn't that what I said? Probably. Is that what I said, guys? Anyway, we're here. And this is well married this is how married couples sound like, eh? <laughs> if you're looking to follow along our Bible plan, you can find it on our website, unitechurch.org.nz. It really is your number one stop shop. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna read from Luke 7, 1 to 10. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And then I'm gonna read from Luke 6. 46 oh, to 49. Yeah. It's confusing. But we'll start with but Karen. Ladies first. Oh, thanks. Uh, okay, so when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. What Capernaum. is it? Capernaum. It's just Capernaum. 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 There a centurion's servant. A centurion. <laughs> centurion. Can you don't do it the third time? There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, a centurion. was sick, was about to I'm so sorry. A centurion. What did I say? Isn't that what I said? I'm sorry. Okay. There a centurion's Wait, no, servant. Stop for a second. It is really hard when you're going, you're doing your Bible reading together and you're like, they gave me the verse with all the hard words. Which apparently for Karen is any verse. Sometimes it's hard to read, guys. Okay, okay. sorry. There a centurion's servant, centurion, oh no, there his servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. Oh, it was funny and now it's not. Um, the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Mm. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turned to the crowd. Turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had, sent, had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. I really like this story as it shows what Jesus is attracted to. 
When we read the Bible, it's helpful to hunt out what Jesus responds to, as well as the actual miracles that he performs. We've seen in the last few chapters of Luke that Jesus goes on a healing rampage. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Um, we don't know how many people he healed, but we know that he did it. If everyone who was healed had their story in the Bible, it would be gigantic. Um, it's so already big enough as it is. quite large. Um, so why did God choose this story and stories like it to be in there? I perceive it's because they specifically show us things about who Jesus is and parts of humanity that he reaches out to. Great thought. In this story, Jesus responds to faith and humility and reaches out to heal. The centurion sent soldiers of Jesus of Jews to oh, Jesus. Is... Oh, whoa, wowie. Okay. <laughs> the centurion sent elders of the Jews to Jesus to plead with him. He obviously didn't think himself worthy to be in the presence of Jesus, maybe because he was a Gentile. So therefore he sent Jewish leaders to Jesus. But he clearly knew something about who Jesus was to not let this opportunity slip by. And then we see the differences in how the elders spoke about him versus what he told his friends to tell, to tell Jesus. The elders said he was worthy. He said he was not worthy. They praised him for building a house of worship, but he felt unworthy that Jesus would come into his house. They said he was deserving. He felt himself undeserving. Strong faith and great humility are entirely compatible. Charles Spurgeon says this about that. <laughs> Two features of character blend in him which do not often meet in such grateful, graceful harmony. He won the high opinion of others and yet he held low estimation of himself. Jesus initially responds to the elders' request because of his compassion. And then he responds to the faith of the man, even the man he never even gets to meet because of his humility in sending his friends. Jesus both answered the centurion's unselfish request and proved that he really did have the authority the centurion trusted him to have. Powerful, beautiful. I particularly like that response between the Jewish elders and the centurion himself, hmm. showing how he, yeah. And then Jesus sees that, and that's, yeah. that's powerful, these interactions. Yeah. I want to rewind back to Luke 6, 46 to 49 and read that out. So Jesus is talking and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundations on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, I did not choose this passage because of the recent floods and our prayers and love go out to yeah. all those affected. It's a, it's a big deal. We're all affected in some way, but, but particularly to those who have lost um, a lot. Yeah. And they're still picking up the, um, yeah, uh, what, what the next step for their life is. Um, it's a big deal. And so Lord Jesus, be with them and we just pray for your grace and peace. And I'm sure as communities, you guys have been praying for those affected. But I want to talk about the core theme here, which is practice. We are people of the way. We don't attend church. We practice the ways of Jesus in community. We practice the love we have received by the grace, by grace from Jesus. 
the love that forgives us, the love that heals us, the love that welcomes us to a place at the table, that takes our place on the cross, that walks towards us, the, the love that is defined by the walk and words of Jesus, the love that was broken open for us on the cross, much like a clay jar of expensive perfume. Mm. But before I get carried away talking about love, a word that really needs some redefinition, mm. That is the word love. I want to go back to the words of Jesus when he talks about putting into practice what we've heard. What does it mean to practice? It is important to consider this question, as it in many ways is what our lives in Christ hinge off of. As in, we are people of Jesus, people who walk and live the way, not just people who hear a word or believe a thought. Don't get me wrong, practice is not the starting point for our lives in Christ. The love of Jesus is the starting mm. point. Practice is our response to him. And it's also so important to recognize whenever we talk about verses such as this one, we, we tend to slip into um, the places of legalism. So we've just got to do really well for God, which is unhelpful. Uh, or places of passivity, disengagement, where we go, oh, I can't do anything, so I'm just going to sit here. Both are not actually what Jesus is talking about at all, and then unhelpful to um, the lives we're called to live. To practice implies mess. It implies a regular rhythm, a frequency of intention combined with action. Now, as many of you know, I also teach music yes. for a living. That. Karen knows because she hears because we live above the music studio. Correct. <laughs> the walls are not that thick. Learning how to play an instrument or to sing requires practice. Everyone starts bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's tedious, it's difficult, it's hard to get your head around at first. Those that continue are those that find a rhythm, a flow. Those that practice more are not necessarily the most talented or able. They are those who care the most, who have a desire. And those that really lean into practice, they do it because they love it. And it's like that with the way of Jesus. When you practice, you posture as a learner. It's a humble position. To borrow the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, it's a weak position, where we are aware of our need to grow. But the weakness doesn't pull us away from God. We don't, we don't stay weak and sinful. No, no, it draws us close to Him because of who we know Him to be, a safe and powerful and, and, and gracious God. So, so practice is this place where we know our, where we're aware of our need to grow and are engaged in the process of becoming. In some ways, the church's response to the words of Jesus, as I've said before, has been often to try to do it all and attempt to control the outcomes, or given to passivity to confuse an opinion with Jesus with a life lived with him. We are, at the core of us, apprentices of Jesus. Apprenticeship to Jesus is essentially building routine obedience from the heart. We are called to follow, to live daily with him by the Spirit, to take steps of trust with him and trusting him with the growth outcomes. It is safe and secure to trust in Jesus, but trust requires all of me. It is active in nature. To trust is to live from a belief that what is important to me is safe with who whoever or whatever I'm trusting. Charles Feltman defines trust as choosing to risk making something you value vulnerable to another person's actions. Mm. 
Jesus is inviting us to trust him with what is important to us, day by day and moment by moment. The internal practice of Jesus is about trusting him. It's what matters most. The external practices of Jesus are communal. So if that's true, what do we practice? Jesus tells us, and it comes back to what I was talking about at the start of this thought, love. It's all about how we treat one another. The word love has come to mean almost everything and nothing in our current dialectal usage. So let's hone in a bit. Brene Brown has this to say on love. We cultivate love when we allow our most vulnerable and powerful selves to be deeply seen and known. And when we honor the spiritual connection that grows from that offering with trust, respect, kindness, and affection. Love is not something we get or give, it is something we nurture and grow. A connection that can be cultivated between two people only when it exists within each one of them. We can love others only as much as we love ourselves. Jesus invites us to receive his love and to become his love by way of faith that works itself out in practice. Love is an active and practical word. It doesn't mean much as an intention. It's the space between people, the connections we make, cultivate, and receive life from. Jesus shows us a life connected to the Father and connected to other people, loved and loving. And it has to be said, we can't love our others, we can't love others if we don't first love ourselves. Mm. Loving ourselves is not to be confused with self-seeking or self-preservation. It's about opening our heart to the healing love of Jesus and learning to see ourselves through his eyes, just like the woman with the alabaster jar. And the questions for this Sunday, which... <laughs> I just got myself so confused. Let me start it again. Which leads us to these questions to consider as we share together, remembering that the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth, leading us as we open the Word together. Brilliant. So we've got kind of three sections of questions. The first one's focused on Jesus, second one's on ourself, self, and the third on others. So, Tahi, Jesus, the ones focused on Jesus. <laughs> what does it mean to trust Jesus with what is important to you? How is Jesus trustworthy? And the second, which is focused on self, how does Jesus see you? What is a loving God showing you about who you really are? Uh, toru. Last question, what does it mean for us to practice the way of Jesus together? If you want to begin tithing, partner financially, or are interested in joining a neighbourhood church, you can contact us via unitechurch.org.nz, which has everything on it that you need. Brilliant. The Youth Gathering is on this Friday at 7. We've had two weeks off. We're hoping to get into it this week. Worship night this Tuesday. It was postponed from last. And also this video is available in podcast form. And so you can find that on anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're praying for you in the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Goodbye. Bye.